102.5 FM, KXSFLP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Dr. Tass Batia. She's a board certified physician specializing in integrative medicine and a wellness expert who gained national recognition as the best selling author of the books What Doctors Eat, The 21 Day Belly Fix, and Superwoman RX. We will be talking about optimal health during quarantine. Thank you for joining me on Spark today, Dr. Taz. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. First, I'd like to start with your mission, which is to empower 1 million women and children to find their superpowers, restore their health and well-being, and embrace their purpose and gifts to change our world. Can you tell us more about your mission and how you're doing this? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. You know, I've been for a number of different reasons, my childhood experiences, the story of my parents, uh, my story coming through with my health and trying to find my own power, and then how when you put the pieces of your health and your life together, it really uncovers your passion and your mission, and you're just driven to leave your mark in the world and to really affect change. And, you know, my personal understanding of, of just me, forget everything else, is that I wouldn't have had that energy and drive if I didn't have to go through this process of digging in, understanding who I was, putting my health together, and then moving forward. And so my experience in the patient room has been the exact same. It's when people are gifted with, this is how you care for yourself, this is how you nurture yourself, this is what you need to be doing, and they do it they emerge on the other end of that journey and that process in a whole new fashion as a new person ready to take on new initiatives and new ventures, ready to have that child, ready to start that relationship or that business, whatever it is. And so as I have watched this over the last, first with me and then with everybody around me and and obviously what I'd already been through over the last, uh, you know, decade and over tens of thousands of patients, I was just like, you know what, I want everyone to have a unique methodology to understand how to tap into who they are, to be able to put the pieces of them together to connect the dots so that they can move forward and have this really strong empowerment formula that then guides them through their lives so that they can always make the right decisions for them and their life plays out in the way it was meant to, not with distractions and noise that sometimes is unnecessary and takes us down the wrong road and gets us to our destination, but in a much longer, more winded, more painful way. So it's like, I would love to be able to do this for everyone. And I'd love to see a million women turn around and tell me that they know their superpowers, they know what they're supposed to do, and they're able to do that in the world. And by doing so, they indirectly also empower their children because nothing is more empowering than a mother that's well-balanced. There's such a strong mom-child connection. And so when that unit is in sync and in harmony, amazing things can happen for the family and for the community and for the world. What challenge did you experience that helped you tap into your superpowers? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so uh, <laughs> how far back do you want to go? So <laughs> um, I, I grew up in a very chaotic home. 
Uh, my parents were immigrants. They were unhappy in their marriage. There was just a lot of infighting. I was the eldest. I was sort of the caretaker. I carried all that trauma and stress and all of that with me. I was sort of the parent in that relationship. And then from there, you know, I jumped headfirst into accomplishing my goals. Like I, you know, was competitive. I was top of my class. I wanted to be a doctor. I was all about straight A, you know, all this stuff that, you know, we're sort of driven by when we're younger. And in the process of all of that, I accomplished my goals, but I started to get sick. So somewhere towards the end of med school residency and then starting my first job, which was in the emergency room, uh, I just started to get sicker. I started to gain weight. I started to break out a lot. Then I started losing hair, and my hair was kind of like my prized possession. It's something that, like, everybody in the family had always commented on. And it went from, okay, I'm just thinning a little bit to having these very obvious bald spots, you know, throughout my scalp, and then a lot of joint pain. I mean, just all these weird symptoms. And so I started retreating, quite honestly. I, you know, instead of, like, you know, being like, yay, I made it. I'm a doctor. I actually can support myself now. I don't have financial, like, all this other stuff instead of all of that. I became more and more isolated, like afraid to get dressed and afraid to turn the lights on in the bathroom. And, you know, I'd go into patient rooms in the ER and I remember they'd be staring at my scalp, completely distracted by all of that and not paying attention to what I was saying. And it just was really demoralizing. And somehow, miraculously, in all of that, you know, I met my husband and then my mom got on my case and they were both like, something's wrong with you. You need to go get checked out. And I started a series of doctor's visits through our conventional systems and no one really had answers for me. I mean, a lot of the answers were pharmaceuticals and I had very strong reactions to those pharmaceuticals, one of which dropped my blood pressure drastically and, and I crashed my car like two days after starting it. And it was just a aha moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I'm going to get better and if I'm going to get back to me, then I've got to take this into my own hands. And so I just started studying everything I could get my hands on and studied holistic medicine, uh, studied nutrition, became a certified acupuncturist, and slowly started putting the pieces of my health back together. And as I did so, uh, you know, people around me were like, well, what are you doing? What's, what's different? Like, what are you taking? And all this other stuff. And so I finally jumped. And in 2006, I did the Fellowship in Integrative Medicine with Dr. Andy Weil. And uh, that sort of helped me put the pieces together for others as well, not just for myself. And I decided it's something that I wanted to do in practice. It was your own challenge physically that led you to specialize in this integrative medicine of combining both the East and the West. So the journey of trying to figure it out was ultimately that I had uh, an autoimmune disorder. I also had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and the combination of a really poor diet for years and trauma and stress for years uh, had flipped my hormones, essentially. And so I you know, needed to be gluten-free. I needed thyroid support. I needed help lowering my androgens. But those were things that the conventional world wasn't as dialed into. And now, fast forward all these years, it's, you know, so many years later, almost 20 years later, it's still kind of the same. Like, I feel like the conventional world is still not dialed into how do we balance all these different hormones and what do we do when we see these things, um, you know, playing out that way. So you're saying that as you treat one particular issue, then it could create another issue or you have to look at it holistically. It's not just like one particular spot that you have to fix. Correct. That's right. I mean, you really, for many of the conditions we're seeing today, 
it's not an isolated, you know, every now and then you'll have the isolated thing that'll get fixed by this one thing. But most of what we're seeing today is really about, uh, you know, connecting dots, putting the pieces of our health together, because most of what we're dealing today is inflammatory or a symptom of, in some way of inflammation. And that's not a one pill, one size fits all, you know, prescription. That's really a customized, individualized plan that each person needs to have and feel really empowered that they understand themselves and the best way for them to eat, to live, to move forward in life. So you found that weaving Eastern medical wisdom with Western science to be effective? Yes, I love it. It's like my passion is so exciting to me. It's kind of nerdy, but it's so exciting to be able to see everything come together. Like you'll see the patterns in uh, Eastern medicine, right? Because they're very they'll diagnose by face or by tongue or by pulse or by energy. So you take all that data and information in and then you turn around and you do a conventional medical history, physical exam and lab work and you merge the two together because now you're more, even more prepared to order the right things because you've got this, this early data or this early knowledge of this patient in. And when you put it all together, you can really empower folks. I mean, it is amazing because you can show them how, uh, a lab value is not a lab value. It's influencing their emotions. It's influencing, you know, their overall health. And that in turn influences things like energy and mood and libido, which then impacts your relationships, which then impacts, you know, how things play out in your life. So, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. It's not a simple concept, right? It's not like five ways to feel better, but it's it's a lasting concept of really understanding yourself and understanding what type you are and putting all of that information into one master plan. I definitely would prefer to have an integrated East meets West type of wisdom and science combined because it's so rich in terms of what it can do. But you also came up with this power type, which is interesting. Can you explain how that works? Yeah. So that was kind of born from this whole thing. So kind of picture me. I'm sitting in an exam room. I'm doing it for over a decade. And I'm hearing stories, right? Every room is a story. It's a story of what somebody's been through, how their life has played out, their challenges, their hopes you know, their traumas, all of that. And I'm listening to these stories and I'm filtering them through my lens. And my lens has the filter of Ayurveda and the filter of Chinese medicine. And I'm taking their nutritional histories down and I'm looking at their hormone patterns and their lab values. And I'm doing this over and over and over again for years. A lot of women coming through, I don't even know the numbers. I think the last time we counted, it was around 12 or 14,000. So I'm doing it over and over again. And when I, at some point, I don't even remember when it was, I had this aha moment. I'm like, wait a minute, these things are overlapping. This Ayurvedic type overlaps with this Chinese medical type, overlaps with these nutritional deficiencies and these hormone imbalances and these sort of risks for chronic disease. And how powerful would it be if you knew your type and you could sort of be on the front end of this health game rather than on the back end and you knew how to eat, you knew what your emotional strengths and weaknesses were, you had a plan for that, you knew how, you know, how to supplement yourself because every one of us has some deficiencies or things that are not, you know, quite optimized and you knew what your long-term health risks are. So you would have a way to guard on that. And, and it would be so neat to gift people with that, even people that I don't see, you know, maybe in the exam room. So that was my hope. And so what I did is I literally had spreadsheets and I would track all this stuff and uh, put it all together. So I came up with the five power types. These are five 
women that I think that I meet, you know, any given day. And each power type has an Ayurvedic diagnosis, a Chinese medical diagnosis, hormone patterns, nutrition patterns, personality strengths and weaknesses, emotional strengths and weaknesses, all of it that um, that would help educate them on things that they needed to do and the way to eat and the way to exercise um, and so forth. So they all have fun names because we didn't want to give them stodgy names. So we had the Gypsy Girl, the Boss Lady, the Nightingale, the Savvy Chick, uh, and the Earth Mama were the five types, and each one needs and has a distinctive plan. And is it always exact in terms of how someone falls into a particular type or could there be overlap? There could definitely be overlap. And the other part of Eastern wisdom is that they don't believe you're set. They believe as women, we're very fluid. For example, you know, we may be one type in our 20s, but then post-children, we may shift and change. And then in our, you know, perimenopausal and menopausal years, we may shift and change again. And that fluidity was honored and respected, but the body needed different things at those different changes. So it was interesting, like when we were doing uh, focus groups, how people would take the test and they'd be one type, you know, pre-pregnancy and then post-pregnancy and delivery, they would end up as another type. So there is that fluidity. So it is something to keep coming back to over and over again. So then your diet and the way you take care of yourself would be based on your type? Correct. All of it would be based on your type. Interesting. And we can go to your website and try to type out. Absolutely. In fact, if you go to the website, which is drtaz.com, um, there's a link that says take the power type test. Uh, I would take the test and then it guides you, you know, to a quick assessment of your type. The more longer assessment is in the book, of course, which is the Superwoman RX. But yeah, you can absolutely understand who you are. And hopefully that's a start on you finding power you didn't know you have. Definitely want to see what my power looks like. So tying to your integrative health expertise, what can we do to boost our sense of well-being during this time? And let's start with physical health. Like what foods are important and should be in our diet, especially now? So we're at an interesting time, right? So we've got a lot of people quarantined. Uh, they have themselves had a shift in diet because they're just home more and they're baking and they're cooking more. We have people not going to restaurants and not eating out as much uh, as they were maybe beforehand. So all of it has shifted eating across the globe. Now, the pros of that shift has been more home-cooked food. The cons have been maybe more comfort foods or even processed foods. I think at a time like this, the key is to really focus on foods that build the immune system and help gut health because the gut, remember, makes up almost 75% of your immune system. And that relationship is critical. So some of those foods include high antioxidant foods, so foods high in uh, you know, vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E, all of these uh, really important antioxidants that help to improve your immune system. And those would be your leafy greens, berries, fortified uh, dairy, even fatty fishes like salmon or tuna, nuts and seeds. All of those would be a great source of those fortified of those antioxidants. 
I think foods high in vitamin D, again, that's where the fatty fishes and the fortified dairy come in. But vitamin D more and more is being connected to the immune system and proper immune function. And all of that uh, is very connected together in terms of how the body responds to something when it gets invaded by a virus. So that's another one. Vitamin C, a lot of the high vitamin C foods like your citrus foods, again, your berries, uh, those are all things that can help the immune system and help the immune system function effectively. What we want to take out are a lot of high sugar foods, high trans fat foods, processed and packaged foods with a lot of dyes and additives, and even high salt foods, because believe it or not, salt can impact the immune system as well. But it's hard, right? Because people are finding that they're snacking more. Yep. And it's like you need that sense of boost. So maybe you turn to a favorite snack, and whether that's sugar or salt, it may give you an instant boost that you wouldn't have otherwise. Are there any foods that can give us that boost in mood or metabolism? Yeah, I mean, I think there are foods that can boost our mood and there are foods that can make us feel better. You know, a lot of times we first have to identify the emotional piece that we're trying to fulfill. I think if you've got a lot of anxiety, uh, I think any of the gut balancing foods like yogurt or kefir can often help your mood. Those have a lot of great probiotics in it that influence your mood. I think any of your foods high in the B vitamins, so lean protein, eggs, by the way, are a superfood and can boost your mood as well with all the amino acids and healthy fats that they have in them that can boost the mood for sure. Um, I think going into the world of healthy fats like nuts and seeds and avocados are all great sources of, of good fat, which we need for, for mood and for energy as well. And then lastly, dark chocolate. I feel like dark chocolate with the magnesium in it, for those of you, know, of you who might be anxious, I think dark chocolate is very helpful too as a good mood boost. I won't say no to that. Yes. <laughs> what can we do in terms of easy or simple physical activities that would give us a sense of well-being? You know, I, I was just talking to somebody about this this morning because uh, we were talking about muscle strength and how important that is for overall health and weight and metabolism and all that other good stuff. And most gyms are closed, right? So how do you stay active? How do you keep that up? I think the goal right now uh, during quarantine and lockdown is just to keep moving. And so that means 20 minutes in the morning, maybe 20 minutes in the day, 20 minutes again in the afternoon, but you're constantly moving. You're sort of uh, getting the blood flowing. And then I think doing uh, true workouts are helpful too. So whether that's a run, whether that's a Zoom yoga class that you do, whether you lift weights or use elastic bands, these are all things that can be helpful in maintaining weight and helping you to lose weight as, as well, especially while we're sort of locked indoors. So I think any type of movement right now is, is going to be helpful but I think it needs to be movement throughout the day. Many of us are just like doing that one workout and then we sit back down the rest of the day on Zoom calls or homeschooling or whatever it is we're doing, but everyone's metabolism is slowing down. So I think it's important to remember to, to keep getting up, keep moving around, uh, not to stay seated for too long, and that will help as well. And you probably have to schedule it in to make sure you do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was actually, you know, I would create, and that's one thing. So we talk about the coping strategies in something like a pandemic, uh, they, there's actually a study that came out and they compared it 
to uh, coping strategies in 9-11. And there are really three things that are so important. And the first is control. And the way to exert control is to create a schedule to your day. So it's not you can just get up whenever, go to bed whenever, but you have every hour kind of planned out with some good breaks in there and you stick to that. You hold yourself accountable to that. So I think that's one thing I would encourage everybody to do. And then maybe also having control by thinking about what goals you want to accomplish once we're all out and about and into more of a normal routine and writing those down. There's something very powerful about writing. I think it it makes things very tangible and it makes them actionable. So really writing it down, not just thinking it. Uh, the second C they talked about was connection, how important it is for all of us to be connected when we're trying to cope and recover from something like a global pandemic. So whether it's through Zoom or phone calls or a note or whatever it is, but staying connected with our loved ones and our community is really important as well. And the last is coherence, which is the third C. And it's what do you make of all of this? I mean, it's really important for us to have meaning and to have purpose behind these events, even if they seem random, and to take away or to walk away with something in your hand. Like I learned to be a better person. I learned to be a better mother. I learned to be more patient. I learned to take care of myself better. But whatever it is, what was the purpose? What brought coherence to the reason things happened the way they did? As human beings, we just need that. Or you could look at it as learning a new skill at this time. Yes, very much so. What about being outside? Isn't it important if you can? Yes. but uh, You know, right now we're overrun with technology, correct? I mean, we're on Zoom, we're on stuff all the time. It drains our energy. The sun is a way of resetting that drain and really providing us with some natural light. It helps our circadian rhythms. It helps with weight loss and even hormone balance. And of course, we're going to get some vitamin D from it as well. But I think being outside is incredibly important, especially when you're locked inside at home for so long. We're going to take a quick break. Be back with Optimal Health during quarantine with Dr. Tass. Support for KXSF is provided by Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned cooperative that has been serving San Francisco vegetarian food and providing a model for sustainable living since 1975. Rainbow is located at 1745 Folsom Street. Visit them online at rainbow.coop. KXSF would like to thank Rainbow Grocery for its continued support. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. I'm talking with Dr. Tass about how to keep your health at the optimal level during this quarantine. When mental health how should one address anxiety or stress at this time? So anxiety and stress is tough, right? So you really want a toolbox, and that toolbox should contain different things that you're going to resort to when you start to get anxious. I think it's much harder to think about dealing with anxiety or depression when you're in it. So let's think about it proactively. And you may literally want to get a box, like a toolbox or a bag or something like that. But in it... What are you going to do to help you with anxiety? So there are a couple of things I talk about 
for anxiety and stress. And one is just setting time. So it's that schedule. So I put that schedule in there where you have 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes again at night, and that helps you to reset your energy and it helps you to sort of anchor your day and end your day in a better mood. So you can use that 20 minutes to journal. You can use it to pray. You can use it to meditate or you can use it to exercise. But however you want to use it, use it as time for you so that you can reset your energy and that you are approaching the day in a better way. So no matter what's coming at you, you're, you're prepared, you're ready. There's also breath work. I call it the four, seven, eight breath where, you know, you're breathing in up to the count of four, you hold it for seven, but you exhale for eight. And you want to always make that exhalation longer than the inhalation. That in turn helps to calm the nervous system down and helps to reset your energy as well can bring anxiety down for sure. And then there's so many other modalities and things that work. I love using aromatherapy for anxiety, things like lavender or vetiver or patchouli are some of my favorite herbs to help calm anxiety down. Uh, herbal teas can often help. Holy basil and tulsi are two of my favorite teas that we often use to help calm anxiety down. And then, you know, micronutrients like magnesium and even your fats, your essential fatty acids are really important. Having those numbers in the right place for anxiety, GABA and CBD oil are things many of my patients have used as well to help them with anxiety. So you do believe in CBD oil? I do like it. Yeah, I think it's, I've definitely seen it help. It doesn't work for everything, but I've definitely seen it help for maintaining a good sleep cycle, for helping with anxiety. Uh, I've definitely seen it help for that. Interesting. What about depression? So depression is a little bit similar. You want to, first of all, identify your depression triggers. One reason people get depressed is because they, you know, first going to diet, like too much sugar, too much high fat foods, too many refined carbs. So they swing on a high and low, which ultimately results in depression. So really minimizing those foods, I think, is important. Getting a lot of foods high in B vitamins and protein, I think, is really important. And then movement helps depression for sure. So getting out there, getting in the sun, moving, connecting, I think all of those can help combat depression. And that whole uh, theory of coherence where you have to have a reason for what's happened is a big missing piece when it comes to depression. You know, when people don't have connection and coherence, then they're not able to have control over their day and keep themselves lifted up. So I think really trying to understand how this experience is impacting you in a positive way is really important or what you may learn from the negative experiences that you're having right now. It sounds like you're saying you need to reconnect with your purpose. You need to reconnect with your purpose in the context of the environment, right? We can't control the environment. We can't control what's happening, you know, to a point we can make an impact, but we can't really, you know, we're not calling the shots, we're not making the decisions. So what is it that we are each as individual human beings supposed to be taking out of this? Maybe we're supposed to reconnect back to our authenticity and back to who we each are as individuals. And it was an opportunity to get off the rat race for a period of time. So I think, you know, finding coherence for you, what that means for you, maybe are you in the right relationship? Are you in the right home? Are you in the right job? Are you surrounded by the right people? You know, are you doing fulfilling work? I mean, I think all of those are questions that you can ask yourself to bring yourself coherence from this particular experience. Now, when it comes to taking things or doing yoga for depression, again, essential oils can help lift your mood as well. Lemongrass and some of the 
citrus oils are a little bit better for depression. And then I do like things like St. John's wort, methylated B vitamins, omega-3 fats to help with depression as well. The most difficult challenge may be the sense of self-isolation. What would you recommend we do in this instance? I think anytime you're feeling isolated, I would do two things. I would make an attempt to connect with your loved ones, your friends. I mean, that's been happening with me. I've talked to friends I haven't talked to in years. You know, I've picked up the phone and tried to reach out. I've tried to connect with them in different ways. I would encourage you guys all to do the same. And you'll find that the voice on the other end or the face on the other end is so happy to see you. And so I would try to reestablish connections with people you may have lost along the way. It's so rewarding and so fulfilling. I think staying connected to your immediate family is key because that's your, your first line defense from anxiety and depression. And then I think after that, putting yourself to work in terms of service to others always combats these emotional sort of pools of anxiety and depression. When you are having to give to others and you see others are being helped by something you're doing, no matter what it is, it could be as simple as dropping a meal off or as complicated as a big fancy service project for a big group of people, whatever it is that you're doing in service will shift your energy and is a way to establish connection. Do you find that the news should be something that we should be avoiding? You know, I've been so disappointed with our media coverage, Um, incredibly disappointed. I think that the message of fear is greater and stronger than any message of hope or empowerment or purpose. And, you know, the numbers and the stories that they're choosing to tell are always the worst ones, always the ones that are most concerning. You know, it's almost like they're appealing to this lower level in all of us to get attention. But it's not the whole story. I mean, there's so much power that we all have to control our health, to control the outcome, to take care of our immune system, take care of our community. And quite honestly, people are getting this virus and they are getting sick, but the numbers are not what they are because not everyone's getting tested. So your effective mortality rate may not be as high as what you're, what you're really seeing out there. So I think it's important to keep all of it in context. We want to take this seriously for sure, but we don't want to live in fear and we don't want to stop living our lives. And, you know, we've got to move on from this because the fallout economically we've already seen, but the fallout from a mental health and a physical health standpoint is going to be even greater. It sounds like we should focus on other positive messages or programs that can give us a boost. Correct. And many people are watching more TV and spending more time on their devices because of the quarantine. That can't be healthy, right? No, I mean, you're just, first of all, you're on a device, which is disconnecting. You know, it's not necessarily connecting. And then secondly, you know, you're going to, again, be fed a lot of negative news over and over again. So I think that, you know, I think that that's all something to be aware of when we're looking at, um, you know, when we're looking at the big picture. Sounds like we should be more particular about why we're on the device or why we're watching the news and be some more selective as to what we're taking in. Correct. Yep. Do you think it's important to have a ritual? For example, like get up in the morning and dress as if you're going to work? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge, I've always believed in that. Like get up in the morning, get dressed, brush your teeth, comb your hair, do your hair, pretend like you're going to work because it just puts you in the right mental mindset. I mean, I remember I had a friend in med school who would wear like a suit when it was time to take tests. And we'd always be like, why are you wearing a suit? We're taking a test. And he's like, because it puts me in the mindset, like I'm here to get this job done and I'm going to do it to my best. I just want to put my best foot forward, you know? So I think it's the same 
same idea. Like, you know, getting dressed is a ritual that we are all used to. And when you fall off those rituals, you know, for too long, then you just really get sloppy and, and it can then affect your mood. You should keep your schedule as close as possible to what you were doing before. I agree. Yes, for okay. sure. What about our environment or personal space? What can we do to feel a sense of well-being in it? So I created a guide for the healthy home uh, that's also on my website because I did feel like that this was such an important time to reevaluate that. And I think we need to remember that our homes should appeal to our senses. And we have five key senses, you know, sight, sound, taste, smell, touch. And, you know, you want all of those to kind of be relaxed by your environment, not stressed by your by your environment. Um, so essentially what, what I would suggest is, first of all, decluttering, right? So getting rid of a lot of clutter uh, around the home or within the home, you know, is really important. Having uh, nice, clean, and neat spaces I think is helpful. Using, again, aromatherapy to help the scent maybe in your home. Using house plants to cut down on indoor air pollution. Mixing colors, like red is a very stimulating color, whereas like turquoise or magenta or white or more like clean or soothing colors. So playing with color a little bit, but really just creating your own personal wellness space right there within your home, I think can make a big difference. And getting your creative juices out. Yeah. Yeah, It's not baking. Yep. Surveys are showing that people are drinking more wine or alcohol now. Is there a healthy replacement that has the same effect or a better way to feel relaxed? Yeah, I mean, people are drinking a lot more wine because they're home and they feel like they don't have, all, you know, again, they're not on the schedule. But I'm not a huge fan of that. At the end of the day, it's still sugar and it's still going to trigger inflammation. So I think instead of wine, you know, if you could sip on hot teas or, you know, even uh, have some other activity, do a group meditation together with your family or do some yoga stretches together or walk outside. I think those are better rituals than the drinking wine that many people have been resorting to. It really comes down to finding the best way to give yourself a psychological boost each day and sustaining it. Correct. Do you have a method or an approach that works? Um, do I have a method to give yourself a psych? I mean, I think it's self-care. I think at the end of the day, the psychological boost is all about how much you're nurturing yourself and surrounding yourself with things that you love and that bring you joy. So it's, you know, it's your home, it's your relationships, it's your physical working space, it's the food you eat, it's the air we breathe, uh, it's the movement you do. I think it's all. I would just go through a checklist of what's my morning routine, what's my diet, what is my, what are the key supplements I need to take, what is my sleep pattern like, what's my exercise plan, and then just work your way through that, you know, on any given day. And I think ultimately that in itself gives you the psychological boost that you need. The key is really about self-care and that you're doing it each day. Correct. Yes, and that it's rhythmic and it's consistent and we all let go, but, you know, you can do five days on and then maybe two days off, but we all, you know, majority of the time need to be following that rhythm. Okay. Wrapping up, what would be your top five tips for optimal health during the quarantine? Oh, so great. Uh, top five tips. Number one, create a schedule. In that schedule, set aside two 20-minute blocks to reset your energy. That's time for you to meditate, pray, journal, or exercise. 
Number two, move throughout the day. Don't get stuck behind your computer or your devices for hours on end. Maybe set an alarm and get up every two hours, walk around, and then come and sit back down. Number three, eliminate sugar. Sugar is going to really wear everyone's immune system down and make us feel tired. Number four, include mood-boosting foods, maybe a green smoothie every day, maybe uh, more protein, lots of leafy greens, berries, high antioxidant foods. And then number five, focus on sleep, getting a good night's sleep, stay consistent with your sleep patterns, in bed at the right time, up at the right time. Even though you can, it's not a good idea for your health or for your mood to stay consistent within being in bed between 10 and 11 and then up again between 6 and 7 so that you have that rhythm, that circadian rhythm for your hormones, for your mood, for your insulin, for your weight, and other factors as well. Thank you for these top five tips, and thank you for joining me on Spark today. Thank you.